So, this class we call we lovingly call the Spirit class uh, has been actually been meeting for several semesters. Yet each class stands alone. So, if you haven't been coming, we're glad you're here. Uh, but you're not behind, or you haven't uh, you're not coming in into the middle and not knowing what's going on. So, let me hook this somewhere. All right, so Mike taught last week, and let's just do a little brief uh, review of that. If you'll recall, and he also did this little diagram over here, which I think is extremely helpful. But if you'll recall in the garden, when uh, Adam and Eve were created, the intention was the body, soul, and spirit. The pyramid would be this way, with the spirit being the um, greatest influence the spirit within man that God breathed. And it was going to be based on relationship and love, but as soon as sin came into the garden, then it became flipped. The spirit within man became diminished, and the body and the soul, the mind, will, and emotions, became more where the struggle for man began. Okay, And that concept is really important because the concept of the soul, the mind, will, and emotions, that's where we often go to try to deal with the troubles in our life and to live the Christian life. And if I just try harder, and if I just try to work harder, then I can get on track. When in reality, Scripture's very clear that it's the work of the Spirit in us that, um, that helps us to have abundant life or that brings us to abundant life. Mike taught class last week. Do you want to add something to the summary to embellish more than what I just said? Um, well, here's the thing that's important. When you have your the body, any of your physical desires, and your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. And so everything that drives you comes from there. Any need, any reaction to life typically comes from our mind, will, or emotions. Uh, and so... If you understand that, sometimes when you have your first reaction to do things, we're reacting with the soul. And we did that because many people see the soul and the spirit kind of as synonymous, but they're really not. The, the soul is the mind, will, and emotion, but the, the spirit is intuition, your conscience, and your communion with God and other people. So it's intuition. When God created you, when God breathed in you the breath of life, He gave you a sense of intuition, conscience, and communion, connection with other people. Are you with me? So there's things about us in our life that we realize that you, you don't have to tell me it's wrong. It's just wrong. We don't go around killing each other. You know, you don't go around stabbing people behind the back. You just know stuff like that's a that's a conscience, that's a, intuition tells you those things which is different than the soul. And so if your conscience, the soul is what needs to be able to, the, not the soul, the spirit is what needs to drive your soul and this, live out through your mind, will, and emotions from your spirit. All right, so in this class, we're really trying to learn more and tap into the power that comes from having a life that's led by the spirit. That's really, if I could summarize what this class is about, that's what it is. And that oftentimes because the spirit and learning about the spirit feels mysterious and we can't quite explain it, we often ignore it. So about, I don't know, maybe several, several years ago, my grandma Daisy 
was in her last days and she was 96 years old and we were at home and she was in the bed and she was still lucid and we were talking and we had one of those still magnolia moments where all the women in the family were up on the bed talking to Gran and uh, the hospice nurse had told our family, listen, if um, sometimes you have to give people permission to go, you know, to say it's okay. They don't want to burden you. And so my cousin, Cindy, said, you know, Gran, it's okay with us for you to pass. We will miss you, but just think you'll get to be with Papa. That's her husband uh, who had passed away several years prior. And uh, Gran spoke up and said, well, Sugar, you need to know that wasn't exactly a flaming romance. <laughs> so imagine those of us in the family were like, oh, there's a scandal. We had no idea that she was like, Thank, thanks, but no thanks about Papa. Um, and then the reason I tell you that story is sometimes you think you know how things are supposed to be and do and you go along and then you get a new piece of information. And truthfully, for me and my spiritual life, that's how I feel about the Spirit. I feel like I knew about the Spirit. It wasn't that someone didn't tell me and it wasn't that I didn't read my Bible, but I feel as though I'm experiencing a a new, fresh interaction that has so blessed my life. And I'm in my 60s for Pete's sake. So I want to encourage those of you who are younger, hey, you got a chance to catch on sooner um, because it's just such a blessing. This morning, I want to talk about three key, uh, key principles that I think uh, are important about spirit life and about walking with the Spirit. And that concept that Mike talked last week about getting out of your mind, will, and emotions and trying to control those to have the abundant life, but tap into the Spirit, the communion between the Spirit within you and the Holy Spirit to have the full life that God expects us to have. So the first principle that I want you to believe or know, and any of you who've read the Freedom Tools book will recognize some of these as the key principles, but the first one is God's freedom. Your freedom is God's will. You know, I think for me, I had a, uh, a lot of emphasis in my mind that the cross purchased through the blood the forgiveness of my sin. I think we all agree, okay, my sins were forgiven on the cross. But oftentimes I forget that he also defeated Satan, right? And that freedom comes to me because of the cross. It's already been purchased. It's already been done. It's a done deal. Instead of me working and striving, I claim it or I lean into it. The battle has already been won. The abundant life for me to be free of the bondage of comparison or low self-esteem or unforgiveness or wounds from the past or every lie that Satan will tell me, that freedom has already been bought for me. I am a avid reader. I love to uh, get lost in a novel, in a story. You know, uh, I don't know if any of you ever read the Mark of the Lion series um, that was about the early church, but I found myself wanting to pray for Hadassah, and then I thought, wait a minute, she's fictional. I don't need to be putting her on my prayer list because I get so caught up in it. This past couple of weeks, I read a story about a billionaire who was trying to find an heir because he did not have any children to inherit all of his billions of dollars, although he thought there had been in college perhaps a pregnancy. Anyway, I won't bore you with the details. 
they found a granddaughter and told her you're entitled to six billion dollars and she said I'm not sure that I really want um, to go there and they were like this is life-changing money what do you mean she said well I'm just not sure and as I read that I thought you know what don't we do that in our spiritual life in that we have access to this amazing life-changing um, resource but yet sometimes we're like mm, I don't know maybe maybe not I don't get it when it comes to money we think that doesn't make any sense but in our spiritual life sometimes we uh, kind of act that way truthfully Here's a passage, I pulled some out of Romans 8. These are familiar to you, but listen with the ears to hear what the Spirit is claiming to do for us. It says, You, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but are in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. And then further down, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know how we ought to pray. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. You know what? This is just a matter of if the Spirit lives in us, the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, look at all the benefit that is described in this passage. I'll confess to you that this part about the Spirit helps us in our weakness when we don't know how we ought to pray. I don't know where I got this. I don't know who, who I can blame for telling me this. Probably nobody. I'm sure I misperceived it. I always thought that meant if I have an event that comes upon me, some kind of tragedy or awfulness, and I don't even know how to pray, in that case, the Spirit will swoop in and pray for me. But that's not what it says. It says, the Spirit knows my weakness, and there is a constant conversation going on between me and the Father through the Spirit. That's, that's really what it says. There is a lot of benefit to the Spirit interacting in our lives. This particular promise here is something just like the million dollar bank account that I need to claim the benefit or realize what happens here. The beginning of grace is the realization that I am a hot mess. I know that. I know that I'm a mess and I cannot fix myself. But there's not anything too broken that God cannot mend and redeem. Not anything. And we have... What spirit does it say is living in us? The spirit that did what? Raised Jesus from the dead. Yeah, so whatever I have going on in my life, it's probably not as big as needing to raise a dead person. And it's saying that's what's living inside of me, whatever is coming my way. So our freedom is God's will. From the very beginning, it's been God's will. His infusion of our lives with the spirit is the mechanism by which he gives us that abundant life. All right, has anybody got any questions or something you want to add to that? Or y'all like, duh, why didn't you know that sooner? <laughs> it's like I knew it, but I didn't know it. Or maybe I knew it and I didn't um, fully live it. What do you think? Uh, I guess to me, the challenge I, I sense for myself and for other people is that do we really believe it? Just, uh, 
do I really believe that the Spirit lives in me? Do I really believe that when the Spirit reminds me that God loves me? That's like in Psalm 139. He says, I know your thoughts before. He said, I know what you're going to do before you do them. I know yeah. what your words are going to be before they come off your tongue. And, that, and do I really believe that he loves me in spite of all that? Yeah. I, I think you're describing what I'm saying is I heard it, but I'm not sure I truly uh, embraced it and believed it. I mean, I think that's where I am. Yeah. Imagine what this life would look like, yes, if we did. One thing we, that I've thought about a lot of times in the years is uh, the fact that we all believe in Jesus Christ. I mean, mm -hmm. There is... There is not anybody, I don't think it says in here, maybe there are, but probably not, that does not believe in our Father in heaven and Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. But how can, uh, how can we take this and say that the, the Spirit is not, if we believe in Jesus Christ um, and, and what he does for us, how can we uh, look in the scriptures take this and believe any less that the Spirit is doing that. We've got to believe in Him if we believe in Christ or the Father. Right. Just as Pope I mm -hmm. mean, with as, much, with as much zeal. That's exactly right. It's not like there's one little passage that we're pulling out and trying to create a, no. a doctrine. There are passages after passages about this. Um, and I think you're exactly right. The second principle is there's always a reason. Okay, so before I go into what I mean by this, I'm going to tell you what I don't mean by this. I think there's some bad theology, and this is my own opinion, but I think there's some bad theology that floats around out there when some awful tragedy because of this broken world happens that we will say, well, you know, there's always a reason. You're like, mm -mm. no, sometimes it's just because the world is broken and because sin came into the world. Okay, so please don't hear that piece of theology here with there, there is always a reason. But what I do mean about this is for every spiritual battle, battle, for every reaction that you have to a situation, every time you pray and you don't feel like it goes higher than the ceiling, there is a reason. The pain, the failure, the hindrance, sin in your life, it had a source, it had a beginning point, it had a place where the origin came. It may not have been your doing, but it could be a wound from your past, or it could be something you chose to do. It could be a bad decision or a sin in your life that happened previously. But all of these things contribute to your relationship with God. There is a cause to bring about the effect, an action that brought about a painful or a harmful reaction. So, all I mean by that is to say, like when Mike said, but do I believe it? Okay, so the question is, why don't you believe that? Well, I have trouble believing that. Well, let's, let's dig into that. There's a reason why Mike struggles to believe that God loves him. A specific reason for him, right? So for all of us, when we have spiritual struggles, there's a reason. Um, here's a verse. And y'all, you know, we always know this is true about planting gardens, right? But we forget that this is true about our spiritual lives as well. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. People reap what they sow. 
If you sow to please your sinful nature, from that sinful nature you reap destruction. If you sow to please the Spirit, from the Spirit you reap eternal life. We know this to be a true fact. We've experienced when we do things God's way, and then we receive a blessing, right? Or we do things that are not God's way, that were driven by our flesh, or by our mind, will, or emotions, and the benefit or the reaping of that is not from God. We've all experienced that, right? So the principle here is... There is always a reason. I will say that I heard recently a, an analogy, and I, you know, I think Jesus told uh, parables for people like me, because I do better with the story, right? Oh, okay, so the sower is, I, I do better with that. I heard an analogy that our relationship with God is often blocked by Satan when he creates static. So, Back when we all listened to radios, and it wasn't XM radio, but we were trying to find a station. I know Mike and I, when we would travel, we were always trying to find the football game, you know, and you're like, is it in there somewhere? And you'd listen. But sometimes you could hear the words, but there was a lot of static, right? Or you were picking up another station at the same time. So Satan loves to create static in our spiritual life. So he doesn't completely derail me to go into a sinful behavior that I'm like, I would, that's not my thing. He takes where I am right now and he creates just enough static to keep me from hearing the voice of God. He can even use good things to create static. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your family has become your idol and you're distracted by that. Perhaps it's even ministry. Ministering to someone and listening to some static that Satan has created to keep you from hearing his voice. He can also use wounds or trauma or sinful conditions that you're really struggling to fight. And all of these create static. Here's some examples that, um, to give you an idea. These are people you do not know. I made the names don't count. Susan cannot relate to authority much less to God due to wounds from her distant harsh father. Guilt haunts Christine due to a sexual fling she had while on a business trip years ago and that guilt has in turn affected her marriage. Megan grew up being controlled by her mother's expectations and this has affected her relationship with God. Jana was the good girl among her rowdy siblings, and as a result, she struggles with perfectionism or trying to make everything perfect. So do you see how a wound or a sin or an event in the past that has not been dealt with, Satan has taken that and created just enough static in these people to keep them from hearing the voice of God? everybody getting that principle the interesting thing about this that makes this even harder is the static for me is very different than the static for you and for you and for you our static is all customized by Satan right scripture is very clear he has specific schemes for each of us and he knows where our distraction can be and then back to the earlier point though God paid for my freedom from that already He's already paid for that. I just need to claim it to clean up this static. It keeps me from hearing the voice of God. Um, some of us have experienced this, and this is kind of a commercial, but not really, but really it is. Um, 
because there's a group of us who are involved in freedom prayer in this class. And um, I can give you my own testimony about through that, which by the way, let me finish my commercial. We, any of you who would love to come for a freedom prayer session, we would love to have you. So you can go on the Otter Creek website and you can sign up and the form will come to me and I'll, usually it's on Wednesday evenings, but we'll work around that too. So for me, I had a freedom prayer session where it's a listening to the Lord really about yourself and, and, and allowing the Spirit to indicate or let you know or tell you what the Lord really wants you to know about yourself and about your spiritual walk. For me, the message that I got that session from the Lord was, I was worried about disappointing God. Now, my brain knows that's silly, but my heart had bought into that lie. It was a lie from Satan. And what happened was in ministry with people or in trying to help people, which is something I love to do, when things did not go well or the person's life did not get better or they weren't redeemed and brought back to the Lord, I carried around a lie that said, you know, when that happens, God is so disappointed in you. That's absurd in my brain brain, but my heart was allowing Satan to take that and create a little static. You know, if he's disappointed in you, he's probably not really listening to you very much either, right? Like he might even be turning his back because of his disappointment. Do y'all follow where that lie and how that was affecting me personally in my walk with the Lord. So when you draw near to the Father, just know all of us have static that Satan is trying to use to keep you from drawing close. That's his job. That's Satan's victory is if he can keep you from being connected to the Father. We could probably go around and have some freedom prayer testimony of people who've had other things that came to their mind in the course of having their prayer session that I, I had, that was not on my radar. Some people know where their static is. Some people know I had a really rough childhood or I had an event happen in my life that was life changing or I went through a real difficult relationship that I'm still reeling for. A lot of people know where their static is. Not everybody does, but wherever it is, it's Satan's greatest tool. Any comments on that? I'm happy for y'all to jump in and say something or just nod approvingly and I'll move on. <laughs> All right, and then the last principle, and that's really, um, this is kind of an overview of what we talked about for a whole semester uh, back in the fall is apply God's solutions. This passage is so familiar, Luke 11, 9 through 13. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Those who seek find. And to those who knock, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So 
um, here's a progression of my spiritual understanding of this. Early in my spiritual life, I thought, okay, well, if I want a husband, a baby, or a house, all I got to do is ask. That's what that says. That was a little shallow, I'll admit. Um, and it didn't quite work out that way. So I thought, well, there's got to be more to this than that, right? So then the next um, revelation for me was, well, then maybe it means spiritual things. Maybe it means love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, those things, if I ask the Lord for them, then he will give them to me. And that's um, certainly part of it, but I never put that all together with how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I don't know how I missed the key verse, right? He's saying, if you ask, I'm going to give it to you. And your parent, all of you who are parents or have parents, y'all know how much you want to bless your children, right? I think about uh, our kids sometimes on uh, Christmas morning. Um, I don't know if any of you as parents thought, you know, the thing you hate about Christmas is in about 3.4 minutes, all of those months of work and planning and wrapping and you know that was back when we had to go from store to store you couldn't just click it on Amazon and then it'd be like it's done and I was like we're dragging this out as long as we can so you, we would have like a scavenger hunt and you go and you read this thing and the clue as you go somewhere else and you read that clue and you know you're following your children all over the house and I have to tell you for us as parents it was such a delight to watch them be blessed and delighted and excited, right? So what God is doing is taking that principle of how much we love to bless our children. And he's saying, and you're not even me. I mean, you who are evil want to bless your children. What I'm doing for you through the Holy Spirit trumps all of that. I don't know for you, but for me, that creates kind of an emotional connection. I'm like, ah, I get that. It's like our loving father is like, I've, you don't even have to do the scavenger hunt and go to 15 places. I'm just saying, if you want it, I will completely fill you with my Holy Spirit to bless every aspect of your life. And when I read that, I think, what is my problem? Why am I not completely grasping that? Well, let's go back. Remember, Satan's doing his thing. He's trying to keep us distracted. He's doing the best he can to keep us from claiming this amazing gift. That's all we got to do is ask. All we got to do is seek. All we got to do is knock. That's pretty simple. What are y'all thinking about that? Are y'all amen in it? Are you thinking, oh, I don't know, that sounds, that sounds hard. I think it's harder than that says. What, what are you thinking about that concept, Greg? Well, I had to go and look for myself because I never noticed that if we ask and seek and not, we got the Holy Spirit, not what we asked for, not what somebody else thought was good for you or anything. I, I never noticed that. Well, thank you. So it wasn't just me, it was you too. <laughs> Who told us that? How do how do we miss that? Or maybe Satan tweaked it just a bit for us. Static. Carrie? You asked that concept of giving the Holy Spirit is um, you know, we think um, we think of Christmas gifts and birthday gifts. Mm-hmm. And uh, putting meaning behind that phrase, give 
a lot more than that because we know we know uh, that the fruit of the spirit is all this wondrous um, collection of uh, traits and characteristics that God's trying to create in us but I think I think all of that only comes because we have a relationship with God and his and that relational energy changes Totally. So I don't say, I'm going to seek patience, 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 patience. Mm-mm. I speak the manifest. I seek the manifestation of the Spirit, fully, full blown. Every nook and cranny of my life, and out of that will come patience, and out of that will come love. It's um. It's so simple. It's, but yet profound all at the same time. Um, I think that's. The thing about it, and like I said, I keep thinking, how did I miss this, or or what am, what is what is, uh, and I don't think I completely missed it. I just think the fullness of it is what I'm really trying to grasp, Scott. And I think if you think about having your kids, you recognize that the problem is in the receiver, right? Yes. Um, you see kids who are trying to either earn your approval or they feel unloved or uh, like you favor someone else and as a parent you you know how you feel and you know what your heart is and you're trying to find the right love language to speak to your child yes and our walk with god i think that it's the receptor problem also totally a receptor problem there's an overload of so much Mm -hmm. and we've got these static moments or just the inability to fully grasp how greatly we are loved yes that's a great analogy because you're right in each of our children it was different. And when you, you hear know? Them talking to you as adults, I imagine, oh, that wasn't the way it was at all. Oh. Your interpretation mm-hmm. of the way that you see things, you can go back. Now, that's one of the things that makes like holidays so frustrating is when you go back and you're like, wait, no, your sibling is telling the story. Like, that's not what I felt. And that's not uh-huh. what was happening, uh-huh. really. Like, what really was happening was you were the problem. And you realize, you know, that it's, it's, it's the way that you're behind Yeah. <laughs> For those of us who have children in our late 30s, let me just say, Mike and I just say, look, if y'all need therapy, we'll help you pay. That's all we could say. We gave it our best shot. That, that's all we know. Uh, Catherine. I'm finding it frustrating because I, I, I start out the day like, okay, I'm, I'm going to listen to the Spirit. I'm going to do what Randy does, Andy does and brush off my passenger seat. Uh-huh. But then 10 minutes later, I, Mm-hmm. the presence of God, you know, and that was encouraging to me. Like, like Andy says too, it takes time for us starting to grow. Yeah. So this relationship with the Spirit and listening to Him, being sensitive to His prompting, takes practice, mm-hmm. and it's a daily asking. It's not a one and done. Yes, that's a great point, Carrie. You know, when you had that, uh, there's always a reason mm-hmm. up there you were talking about uh, explaining to people the tragedies in their lives. Well, I think 
I think that there is a reason when when you're talking about, you know, you've got it for a moment and you don't have it and it's frustrating. I think I think some of the difficulties just in a daily basis, just the you know, the car won't start or whatever. All of those things are things that are that and, and even the more important ones or the more major ones in our life are are there for a reason because they they turn you towards God. They turn you because of the difficulty, if you view them right, mm -hmm. they turn you towards God. And again, like I said, I think it's the relationship with God that's important <coughs> and anything that pushes you towards that relationship is something that God is using to uh, do all of this that we're talking about. Right, exactly right. On this passage, do you take, because um, in a way it looks like it's real um, specific at the beginning, ask for something, seek, just like you started to mm -hmm. knock. And at the end, it seems like, uh, okay, the Father will give you the Holy Spirit, which is general. It, you know, some element of that is general. Is this passage really trying to also emphasize that in your situation, when you are asking for an answer to something, and the promise here is you're going to get the Holy Spirit. It's not just a, a general manifestation of the Holy Spirit for you. It is a answer to that specific element of the Holy Spirit keying in on. That's a great. That's a great seat. point. Yes, yes. Which so you're in a situation. Yes, very or, practical. I, you know, so when I'm going in my situation, whatever it happens to be, and you're asking, mm -hmm. you're expecting the Holy Spirit to work in that situation for the answer to direct you down that path rather yes. than just, oh, I'm going to get the Holy Spirit. No, <laughs> that, is a, that is a great point. And that's that, uh, for me, what this is saying is I am seeking a rhythm in my life of that being. In fact, my next comment was I often go to the phone instead of the throne whenever I have a situation come up. I, you know, go before the Father and say, I need the Spirit right now in the middle of this, whatever that specific thing is, instead of going and talking to everybody else about it first. You know, let this be my rhythm or cadence of my life. Mike? An example of that is in Acts 15, where once Peter and Paul and all of God's men, they said yeah. it seems best to the Holy Spirit and us. Mm -hmm. Like they had conferred with the Spirit. Yeah. Um, what, but the phrase was, what seems best? Uh -huh. You know, there wasn't that this is what we were told to do, but this, this is where we mm -hmm. seem to be going. Because we were, we were seeking the Spirit in the middle of this decision or this event or as things come along. Yes. Great. Yes, Carolyn. Just from what Carrie was saying, too, I mean, everything that happens to us in our lives, the little tiny daily things that throw us off or that, you know, want to distract us, everything that happens has the capacity. We have, we have the ability to choose. Yes. And what is drawing me toward God. Are we going to let it distract me away from God? Yes. And then that's when, if you're just, I mean, you can even pray to say, when I, when I'm tempted to be distracted, help us, please send the Spirit to prompt me, to remind me, to think, to take that thought captive for Christ. Yes. Or, or whatever. I mean, it, it is a practice. It is something that you, you can become more attuned to. Yes. Yes. So. And it's predicated on obedience too. I was going to say that because our children, 
you know, there were times we wanted to do good things for our kids. We had something good planned, but man, if they were throwing a fit, mm-hmm. jealous, <laughs> whatever, sorry, uh-huh. we can't do that right Mm-mm. now. Not so when you're acting a fool. Yeah, you. Yeah. Yes, and that's part of that relationship peace and that is that it's an ongoing daily dailiness decision event kind of thing this is not lord give me the holy spirit okay i did that on december 14th 1977 you know it's it's a it's a daily walking interaction and the thing is when i do have those moments where like catherine's describing where I miss it or I don't feel it or whatever, God's not disappointed in that. He's not saying, whoop, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. You got him, you don't. You got him, you... That's not how this works at all. And there are a whole lot of scripture that backs up just his desire as a perfect father for us to be in communion with him. That's his goal. Yes, sir. That's right. I'm not careful, and as a problem solver, I start to think, okay, Holy Spirit's here to give me the answer to solve the problem. Sometimes that may be true, but He's just with me. That's all I really need. There's a... So what he said, I don't know if y'all could hear him in the back, but he was just saying, and it's not just that He's there to be our problem solver. It's He's a companion. He's the counselor. He's the comforter. It, It says that He is the walk alongside all the time so you know what you're right so think about those moments when you are so thankful or overwhelmed with happiness or some good thing the spirit is right in the middle of that too you know it's not just sit over there and i'll let you know when i get in a pickle it's it's that uh relationship and hey he raised jesus from the dead i'd really like him hanging out with me i think there's some power there uh, that will certainly benefit my life that's a great point. Anything else? I think we've actually, wow, run out of time. But um, Truly, I think the, the main thing I wanted to communicate here is for all of us to have a sense of this being God's desire for every single one of us. There is nobody in this room, whatever static is in your brain, whatever has happened to you in your past, that your Heavenly Father does not seek an intimate daily connected relationship with you that's truth that is the truth and whatever the hindrances are he wants to help you guide you through those and past those that's what he's promised and it's already been paid for the bill's already been paid we just lean into it and we claim it Um, the rest of this um, semester we're going to have some classes about the gifts of the holy spirit about the working of the Holy Spirit. There's so many passages. You know, it's not like we're going to hang in one place for the whole semester. There's just a lot of richness there that I think enhances our daily walk uh, with the Lord. And the more we study it, the more it just brings us abundant life, which is the promise. Scott? What you just said, I was going to say, it's like the joyful expectation of the abundant life. Yeah. Um, Because I think that uh, in our society, what society offers does not feed that. No. It's something that's lacking when you're walking in the spirit, regardless of the, the situations that you find yourself in, the struggles mm-hmm. that you face, there can still be abundant life. Yeah. Even, even, yeah, even in the darkness. Praise God for that, even in the darkness, right? Where would our hope be? That's right. Okay. Well, carry on. <laughs>